Hi, this is David Motters. And I'm Aaron Harris of Star Wars Reaction Podcast. And you're listening to the Rebel Base Card Podcast. Great pull, kid. Carabas. Carabas. Perfect. <laughs> I like that better. Okay, Chop, stay here, just in case we need a backup. Hey! <laughs> to steal from the Empire? You just walk in like you belong. And you belong right here with us. I need all the heroes I can get. And we need to understand what we just saw. That's why we ask questions. As long as everyone thinks I'm an irritation, there's a good chance they'll miss what I'm really doing. What are you really doing? This is Questions and or Breakfast, a special Rebel Base Card podcast series. This is what revolution looks like. A Star Wars and or series podcast that asks more questions than it answers. Today for breakfast, we're asking questions on the Andor season finale, episode 12, Rick's Road, which debuted Wednesday, November 23rd. My co-host, Gregory Cass from Ion Cannon, is back on this Thanksgiving holiday weekend in the U.S. for the season finale. Greg, I hope your Thanksgiving was well, and thanks for your help taking me through this amazing series. <laughs> Happy belated Thanksgiving to you as well. It, uh, they don't make it easy for the content creators to to drop the big <laughs> finale. Everybody wants to talk hours about just as I, I know I was cooking pie and, and getting family in town and all that. But but it's nice to be able to sit down this weekend as as things have calmed down and really digest this a bit. Um I think we should confess we're doing an actual breakfast episode exactly. this morning. Uh, cheers with our, our coffee, uh, not with Kenobi, because I think Dan trademarked that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, good morning to you. How are you doing? <laughs> oh, and you know, what's nice about, you know, the one thing that was kind of nice about having this drop when it did was, is that, you know, it allowed for a few more viewings, which was mm -hmm. nice. And of course, getting caught up, I mean, there was the... Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, and then um, catching up on some of the assembled, um, I think, Ms. Marvel, uh, She-Hulk, and, you know, so, yeah, it was a little extra, it was a little extra viewing, uh, not just for this one, but for a lot of shows, and uh, it makes it kind of fun on a long holiday weekend, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I'm just going to throw in movies, too, because uh, mm. uh, we watched uh, the Andor finale, and then uh, director Benick and I scooted out that night to go see Glass Onion, the new Ryan Johnson, Benoit Blanc mystery, uh, which was really fun, um, which gave us a great excuse to sit over, I think, two, maybe three pints of beer and just really get into Rick's Road. So I, I had wished I had taken notes, but I suspect they would have gotten sloppier as time gone, went on and just been, you know, I just love Brasso so much. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, you know, he's, you know, and, you know, Director Benick has been on, Ben has been on uh, earlier this season, but I would say the unsung hero, um, mm. just because when I'm looking at the Google Docs for this one, you know, not only do we have the, you know, manifesto excerpt, but we have, you know, Marva's whole speech um, yeah. and an incredible set of notes. And so it, it's been kind of fun because you can kind of tell, you know, what his process is, is kind of going through just because there's so much, you know, when you look through the the people in order of appearance, I mean, it's, it's quite impressive. And, and yeah. the quotes and things, I just think that, you know, how could you almost not do this? This is something where, you know, I think if I was a little, you know, like I have like a very small portion of this, 
but I remember the whole time like trying to take notes and you're trying to write down stuff. And so, you know, on one hand you're just trying to ingest the episode and the other hand you're trying to think of questions. And as we mm. kind of talked a little bit before the episode, we, we've done this, you know, this is kind of our third series now. I think we did Bad Batch, we did Boba. No, fourth, because we did uh, Kenobi. The Kenobi, yeah. When you get at the end, some of these things, you know, you go from questions about what's going on to what do you think is going to happen, and then, you know, usually invariably it leads to, you know, what happens next. But about mm. the episode itself, sometimes it can get a little tough, and, uh, you know, that's why sometimes you either have, like, you know, you get your your big guest on, uh, kind of like we had last week with Brian Barry and, and so forth, and we'll get into that in the Greg's List. But, you know, with this one, it gets a little tougher. Um, mm. And so I'm, I'm almost kind of glad we had, once again, to kind of wrap it around, you know, a little more time to kind of go through and have those multiple viewings to kind of sit there and try to figure out what kind of things did I want to try to ask questions about. Um but yeah, and and I think now as we we look ahead, uh, we've talked. Uh, we won't promise anything, but but we've talked about a finale wrap up to just kind of do the let's think about the whole thing and what it is and what it was and and you know what were our favorite moments and all that. So I think I think you do kind of need both, like what just happened and then what was this thing. <laughs> agreed, agreed. And anytime you're like I said, anytime you're you 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 pose these and and willing to come back, I always I always you know cry a joy a little bit inside going he wants to come back um, <laughs> but yeah I love that idea um, just to kind of take the whole series because I think this was you know I, I think it was kind of a watershed moment for mm. Star Wars TV just as like you know when you see when you kind of watch the original you know first couple episodes of The Mandalorian you kind of get a really good idea and you know you get through that and you see these series and I think this demonstrates some of the best of what they can do but also in a different vein of how you can mm. deliver Star Wars in different ways. And like I said, I think that's worthy of its own episode. And uh, we will put that together um, afterwards as we get ready for the as we get ready for the long break uh, before Bad Batch kind of gets started and um, excited about that. 40 days, I think. So it's, you know, it's in the scheme of you and I's Star Wars fandom, that's not that long. We've, no. we've waited a long time for content, but in terms of the last couple years, that's a long break. So as we, we joked about before, they want us all to go see Avatar over and over again. And then ah. as a reward, they'll give us Bad Batch. <laughs> <laughs> I feel I have mixed, I have mixed emotions about Avatar because I remember seeing, and I remember it was, it, you know, technical achievement, um, it, it just didn't really grab me and mm -hmm. the way that some did. And, and sometimes getting into a new franchise, you know, as we talked about, yeah. you know, you doing, you know, wheel of time and something like that, you know, a lot of this is a commitment and you start to kind of go, sometimes it's almost like, it's like, it's hard to make a viral moment, right? It sometimes it just mm -hmm. has to happen. And sometimes these things are done, you know, with the planning of like, Hey, we've got, you know, all this stuff happening. And sometimes it just doesn't happen. So, you know what? I, I shouldn't, you know, I shouldn't just crap on something without not seeing it. I will probably, you know, especially over the holidays, you know, with maybe a couple extra days off and I'm what I'm certain to be is good seats available for it. You know, I think it would be nice to see it. It's almost like, you know, I think a great thing, uh, a great example of this is um, mm, there was, oh, this is a long time ago now, uh, Speed Racer. And oh yeah, Speed Racer was you know one of those where it, it, it I think it captured 
it captured the cartoon in ways where there wasn't a whole lot about the cartoon. There wasn't a big story about it. <laughs> but, you know, visually it was amazing. And I remember, I think we saw it in IMAX. It's one of the f- only movies I've mm. seen in IMAX. And it was a lot. Even my son at the time, he was real small, was just like, uh, I don't, you know, that's a lot to take in. And of course, the sounds and things. But, you know, for what it is, it was just, it was just really great eye candy. And I would say that if you're going to go see Avatar, I think seeing it on the big screen, I think I would get a lot more out of it than on mm. the small screen just because, like, well, if we're going to put that much into it, I'll appreciate the visuals. And then you go, hey, if something ends up, if, if I end up enjoying it, that's all the better. Uh, but if you are an Avatar <laughs> fan, I am not here to rain on your parade. Uh, enjoy it, if you will. And, uh, you know, mm. you know, do what, you know, like, it, it'd be interesting if there was actually some swag, you know, if there was some, you know, if there was something like an opening night, you know, there's a thing here you can get um, at your local theater. I'd be like, OK, I'm always down for some swag. Um, yeah, they they've cooled on that. I don't know. Post COVID, because pre COVID, you know, it, at AMC, which is the theater I go mm-hmm. to because I have the the Stubbs membership, which every once in a while somebody's like, "How do you buy all these movie tickets?" I'm like, "I pay twenty five bucks a month and I go like three <laughs> times a week, so I'm really not a high roller." Uh, but um, I, it, they got really into posters, right? Like for each of the sequel trilogy movies, you could go each weekend after opening night and get a different poster. And it's like that had me going all month. And, you know, I think there was even a time where because of stubs, I just paid for a ticket and went and got my poster and went home because I didn't have the time <laughs> to see the movie. But but yeah, it, it is. It's funny to me that they don't often do that anymore um, because it's totally effective on me. And uh, I do anything for the little Spider-Man action figure that I probably throw away anyway. But still, I, I had to be there to get it. So oh, It's <laughs> the same with the uh, the Wakanda Forever Happy Meals, right? Or, or some of those. Yeah. It's kind of fun to go. And you, I'm wondering in 2023 when you always just see that random Star Wars um, yeah, happy meal. And, and, you know, it's, it's always fun. And I don't care how big ki- your kids get, um, you know, a parent going into a McDonald's and seeing what's there, you always kind of scan the toys and it's fun. And, you know, sometimes it's not bad on your weight to, uh, on your waistline, uh, to grab a happy meal because it's not so big. And then you can sit there and enjoy it. And then you kind of, it takes you back to not only when the kids were smaller, but when you were a kid and you look forward yeah. to that movie tie in, uh, I think it makes the cereal aisle in the supermarket so disappointing because there's, mm. you know, Avatar cereal. It's okay. That's really cool. There's a tie in with uh, like Frosted Flakes, but I'm like, there's nothing inside. There's not a sticker. Yeah. There's not a, I'm like, come on, man. Yeah. You know, even, yeah. even the sequel trilogy, we got light up spoons at one time. We, the, when Phantom Menace came back out, there were cool little pens. So I say that just to say it's, it hasn't been that long. <laughs> like, it's not like this is the distant past, but something happened in the last five years or so. I think you're right that, that diminished a lot of that stuff. And, you know, I, I still bought my Kenobi flakes for an insane amount of money. So they still got me. I'm still, I'm still searching for the Pringles can from celebration. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring that home. <laughs> They want to. There's one guy who every Friday he relists his for a hundred bucks, and I'm Ooh. like, I'm watching you, dude. I know you're not getting that hundred bucks, so <laughs> it will be mine <laughs> when you drop that down significantly. <laughs> you know where to find me. You know where to find me. <laughs> you know, and, and you know, the last thing on the cereal aisle is when it all becomes special K, it's not so special. <laughs> You know, oh. you've got to, you've got to make that cereal aisle a little special again. So there, there's my there's my two cents for the cereal industry, right? I can solve all your problems. Just put toys, 
back in the cereal. All right. Well, if you if you if you haven't been with breakfast with us before, you're wondering <laughs> what's going on. But uh, or if this is your first time at the table, you've been with us before. Uh, the show is going to work like this. Greg and I is gonna, are going to take turns. We promise asking questions, questions, mind you, that we have not mentioned to each other before. These questions often spur some great conversation. And of course, all the pressure is off to get the right answer because, well, that's why we listen to other podcasts. They're the ones that get all the hard work. Um, so, of course, there's a chance we could take another's question, in which case you better have some spares. Um, there are no points, uh, bonuses, lightning rounds, or phone a friend uh, outside of Director Bennick's sheet. That's the only <laughs> cheating you get. But we do have, um, over the season, what we like to call the Greg's List, and these are a selection of podcasts and other assorted media we ingested or tried to ingest uh, before and after, and, you know, along with the food, right? Uh, everything else we ingested <laughs> the last couple of days to see if they have answered any of our questions and then some. Um, it's been one of my favorite parts of the show as it highlights just some of the amazing work being done out there in the community. We hope you check some or all of it out and maybe find a new content creator you like and want to support and follow. And I know, like I said, with the busy holiday, we talked, there wasn't, uh, my list isn't big and I know yours isn't huge, but, um, I wanted to give you the floor to talk about, uh, anything that you might've seen, uh, heard, read, um, and enjoyed. Yeah, and, and remembering that I was uh, absent last week, so some of these might be a little older, but but I, I did just want to pull a few highlights from across the two weeks. Um, so uh, I, my steady diet of, like, I watch the episode and then I see who downloads fastest um, <laughs> is, is always fun. And, and uh, chief amongst those this season has been the Force Center guys, who mm. I think they're both West Coasters, so I think they watch at midnight get up, watch it again, and then record by like, probably by the time I'm, you know, wrapping up my my uh, first viewing. So uh, I just wanted to shout out them, uh, Ken and Joseph. They did, they just put together a great show and they're a riot. Uh, Joseph describes every week they talk about how they watched it and he always gets out his Cassian action figure and pours himself uh, a whiskey and just sits and drinks and holds the action figure while he watches. And I just love them uh, ritualizing it in that way. Um, so uh, kind of a season-long thank you to, to them for their great coverage, uh, among many others that I've mentioned multiple times. Uh, a special shout-out to my buddy Carl over at Wampa's Lair, who uh, – he does this thing every once in a while, which I really enjoy, which is, you know, whenever something really, really strikes him in Star Wars, he'll just grab the mic by himself and he'll put mm. together an episode. I, I didn't clock how long this one was, but it's like 20 minutes, 30 minutes. It's it's a bite sized Wampa's Lair because they, they can go a little uh, long sometimes. Um, and so he put out a special episode, I believe is what he calls them, uh, just about Cassian and Melshi at the uh, uh, on the beach saying goodbye to each other. And what I love about it is it's like clearly it just hit Carl. It, it you know, got him in the feels and he was really in about it. And, it you know, some of his favorite parts of, of Star Wars are. Um, you know, I, I'll call it brotherhood because, uh, you know, he's into that that book this year. But but also he sees brotherhood in in uh, car. Uh, it's in, in Han and Chewie. Um, and and so uh, kind of unpacked that moment and just kind of celebrated it. And it was it was a really nice little show. So so shout out for that. A good bite sized little taste of, of what Carl can do. And I'm just always impressed when somebody grabs the mic by themselves. I mean, like, I love being on here with you, but I, I couldn't just put together a show sitting here, uh, you know, with no one to bounce off of. 
Uh, and then I listened to this really cool show that I don't usually listen to called the Rebel Base Card Podcast. And uh. they did a wonderful uh, <laughs> breakfast and or questions last week. So uh, I want to offer my apologies to uh, Brian for missing his appearance because it was phenomenal. And uh, my thanks to Jen for jumping in at the last minute when I couldn't get on mic. But uh, I will note that one of my favorite moments in it was that Jen suggested she theorized or speculated irresponsibly that maybe Marva put together a whole plan like before she died uh, to to use the funeral to as a cover for a rebel attack and I think Brian it was said like don't break my heart don't speculate that because now I need to see that I'm gonna give Jen a win on that I think that counts. I think you're I right mean, it's not a full like she wrote up plans and tunnels and all that, but she gave everybody clear instructions in her message. And, and so while it didn't take the form, I think Jen would have uh, said last week, I'm going to give her a W on that one. I think she nailed it. <laughs> and that's interesting because I was listening to What the Force and, and the mm. uh, the gal. And like I said, I'm always bad on names. Uh, Marie. Marie. She did... She called some. She called something. If you go back and listen to their their episode on their their podcast on episode eleven, she called she called an instance in here, and I was like driving along. I'm like, no, no, you got it, you got it. And I was like, and then I was like, I was like, I got, I need to message, and I was like, you know what? Um, I I, I need a formal introduction at some point because it's gonna feel real weird to Twitter to Twitter message after, especially after you see Cyril in this episode going. You know what? I'm just gonna kind of back off and go. You know, at some point, I'm gonna bring this up. I'm gonna I'm gonna re-listen to that and go. Hey, excellent idea. You know, um, and yeah, it's it is kind of funny. You know, because. For all our rampant speculation, you know, every now and then when, when somebody gets something and it's like, you, you really have to celebrate it. It's, it's really awesome. But mm. um, I couldn't have been happier last week with two amazing folks. And the other thing that was really fun was the fact, that, you know, like that Jen and Bryden hadn't met yet. Um, yeah. But it's it's one of those where people follow. And a lot of times when you kind of like put those pieces together, it's almost like the podcaster meetup, right? Where I'm like, you're trying to like, hey, you know, Jen, here's, you know, here's Mark from Fanthatrax and you're going along and it's just kind of fun to sit back and, and watch the interaction because, you know, I think when we look at our, our community and our friends and so forth, you just want to get past this. Oh, Hey, Hey. And you're just like, come on, come on. We're, you know, like we've all been doing this for a long time. We've been interacting, you know, on Twitter and now on hive, you can find us both on hive um, and seeing that community come together. And when you, t when you take it to another level, it's like, not only are we getting a chance to you know see each other and quote unquote, over Skype and whatnot, but then to have these interactions and they just, they just work together so well. And it was a great conversation. Sometimes you just want to kind of sit back and just take it all in. Um, <laughs> but they did a great job and it was really fun um, having them both on. And, you know, Jen was a, a trooper for kind of coming on at the last minute. Um, but that's, that's kind of the nice thing where we just have these folks and, you know, we have a great friends and family plan and, you know, mm. not every time are they going to be able to kind of do that. But, um, it's, it's nice, and especially in a series that goes 12, and we've known this from, like, doing Bad Batch and so forth, that, you know, when small series like Kenobi, that's not a huge deal. It's only a few episodes. But if you're trying to do this, and most people understand, I mean, some of the other podcasts I listen to would do, you know, they would do arc shows. Mm. And yeah, I'll Reactions bring, has been doing arcs. And that yeah. was on my list because they were doing, like, the prison break, and they were doing others, and I thought that was a nice way to attack it. Whereas, like, you know, if you're a... You know, if you're kind of a show higher on the 
on on the food chain, let's just say a Rebel Force Radio or Coffee with Kenobi, you've got not only your you know your top five or your you know after show you're doing that, then you're doing like a regular show, so you're talking a whole lot about it, and you have a lot of time. You know, smaller shows like us, you know, we're we're kind of at the whim of, and all oh, this is still just trying to trying to get your feels down, and uh, you know. Mm. Um, but it, it was it was really nice to listen to them. Making tracks also started doing their their after show, but it wasn't as long. It's only like about a thirty minute one, but it's really nice, very tight. Um, uh, Och Two Radio, I listened to again. Um, Alden Diaz has been doing a great job um, all season, and um, the voice it's very pleasant to listen to. I know he's had some he had you know radio experience and so forth, um, mm. but uh, he had a he had a nice uh, last episode, and then of course what the force. Um, so some of these, you know, it's like when you find one and you kind of find yourself going back to maybe after you try a sampling or you haven't had a chance to listen to in a while, um, these are fun. And I think now that we're kind of done or we're going to maybe get into the arc, you know, the show, like overall, then it's like you go back to places like the Cantina cast, uh, folks mm-hmm. where they're used to doing longer form episodes and then you really kind of want, it's almost like you go to a movie and then you go home and immediately read the review to have someone tell you how you thought about this movie. <laughs> yeah. But you want to kind of get everybody's take on it. And I think that there'll be enough time that we can go back and, you know, kind of like bookmark some of these podcasts we like listening to, but maybe didn't have a chance. And then I can go back and then catch up. You know, I'll be on a flight later tonight, hopefully, uh, you know, catch up on some of Jen's writing and some of this other things that, you know, it's like, now that we have some time, we can process it, and you're not just in that mm. grind of trying to get you know a show out. Meanwhile, while you're trying to enjoy the darn thing you're doing, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, well, and it's so true that you could go mad trying to, and I have some weeks trying to listen to you know 30 hours of podcast about each episode, and and there does become a point where yes, everybody has their own perspective, but you're hearing the same things over and over mm. again, and so, um, but. When you're able to look at the whole series, I think you get a deeper level of insights often. And, you know, I do know some shows are on my list are transferring over to Willow uh, because Willow begins, I think, on Wednesday. And I'm just going to admit I've never seen the original movie. I I love you, Lucasfilm. Please don't be mad at me. But I just it's not something I'm going to be jumping on board with, at least at that level of of after shows and analyses. But um you know, I we always joke about poor Colby, who just does everything <laughs> under the oh, sun yeah. over on the Colby cast. I don't know if he's planning to do Willow or not. I haven't seen him mention it. But it's like, you know, you can run yourself ragged. There's just the, the content never stops. <laughs> A great point you bring up about Willow, because, you know, some of the Willow hit and I was later on. I was in high school, I think, when Willow came out. And, you know, when the stuff hits, you know, I always talk about you know, the arc between A New Hope and Return of the Jedi happened between the times I was, you know, seven and 13. And so, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of development in that. And you're, you know, although I loved Star Wars, it's just there were some things like I wasn't, you know, that hardcore into the toys when I was 13 because you're starting to do other things and you're interested yeah. in other things. And when Willow came along, I, I knew it was Lucasfilm. I knew, you know, um, Wicket was in it. Yep, but yep. <laughs> I just didn't really, you know, it, it was fantasy, and I don't remember whether I, I might have saw it when I was on TV, but yeah, it just mm-hmm. didn't grab me. I think it's the same thing about Avatar, where you're like, oh, that's kind of interesting. But I would say with with a series, um, I'm going to go back and probably 
go into it, and I don't have a ton of expectations on it. I think it'll be fine. It'll be awesome. Yeah. But I it'll think be I'll good just, quality. It'll be great quality, and I think I'll just go into it, much like Rings of Power, where mm. I kind of have to slip into it. I have to finish that, too, uh, sometime. But, mm. you know, it's nice because I can go back to it. I don't feel like, you know, if I don't get it right away, but I think I'll go into Willow and just, you know, hey, if it grabs me, great. If not, it's not the end of the world. And, and uh, going back to what some of the other podcasters, I know Brian, you know, like every every one of these series kind of hits you and you don't have to, you know, not everything has to be this earth-moving thing for you. Mm. You can appreciate it, you can like it, you can enjoy it at Star Wars, but some things like, you know, Tales of the Jedi was was really great, I enjoyed it, but I'm not a Clone Wars kid as much as yeah. I am sort of a Rebels, you know, so it just where you kind of get back in. So sometimes... You know, I don't, I don't put my hopes into everything that it's going to be, it's going to be earth shattering, but I'll just enjoy it nonetheless. And, you know, while I can still afford to have Disney plus and, you know, yeah. <laughs> congratulations to Bob Iger, uh, for hopefully I, I don't, I don't have any quarrels that he's going to reduce the price of Disney plus. Um, mm. but you know, I think it's still, it's still content worth paying for and I get the bundle. Mm. So I get, you know, I get the Hulu, I get the ESPN plus, but, um, you know, I, like I said, hopefully they get that under control because, yes, it's not inexpensive to create this, and I don't necessarily want them to lose a billion or so. And, or, you know, that's way above our head, you know, economy wise, but you do want them to have the freedom to make this kind of content. And, you know, you get sometimes where it's like, I get great animation or I get great writing. And so, you know, you want that quality always to kind of be there for as long as we're going to get this. It, are, you know, how long are we going to just keep getting series over and over and over and over? Are they going to go back to like doing like there's more of a wait time or are we going to get movies? You know, so I, I just want them to have the resources and the time to do it, to do it as good yeah. as they can and to, to have time enough to go, oh, this is working. This is not working. So that way it's not it's not about us, Greg. It's about the future <laughs> generations of kids yeah. and, uh, you know, what they'll be what they'll be turning on the TV for us to watch is we're in the wheelchair not being able to move. It's, <laughs> once on Disney Plus. But anyway. All right. Yeah. So we probably better get this breakfast going. Um, (laughs) This is not a mass to say we don't have a ton of questions, but different kind of questions. But I'm going to pitch it to you for the first one. What is uh, is your first question tonight? Hmm. So um, always always a little tricky, uh, and I I appreciate Jen last week. She was saying all my questions were secretly what's going to happen in the finale. And I think (laughs) this season or this episode I was tempted to basically – a million ways of asking what's going to happen next season. So I've tried to to reduce some of those and and think about what we saw. Uh, I had the pleasure yesterday of catching up with my college roommate, Zach. Uh, he and I had lunch together nice. and he's been a, a loyal listener to the show. He lives down in Philadelphia, so we don't see each other very often at all. I don't think we'd seen each other in three or four years at this point, uh, pre-pandemic. So I guess, yeah, at least that long. But uh, he's he's he sat me down. We uh, we went and got food at a food court that is inside of what used to be a Best Buy across the street from our college campus. Uh, so so we were sitting there going like, oh, this is where the video games were and here's where the DVDs were and all that. But he said, all right, all right, here's my one question for uh, for your show this week. And I, I want to respect that because, you know, how often do fans reach out? He said. Why were the stormtroopers such good shots on Ferrix? <laughs> which cracked me up 
and I'm going to broaden that out to is this the most effective, the most scary we've ever seen the Empire in this kind of moment? Um, and and certainly we're seeing a different level of troops than exist in A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. So uh, so pick at that what you will. Do you have do you have a, a headcanon reason why they might be stronger troops here or uh, do you just think it's about storytelling? I'm going to hold out my hope on the the bell ringer um, encounter because one, I was happy to see the bell ringer back. And two, when that stormtrooper comes up and, you you know, I know from talking, you know, like my friend Todd, who's a 501st member that, you know, like, well, at least for the cosplayers, you know, there's not your field of vision isn't that great. So, mm. that, you know, it, although they probably have like a little heads up or something like that, when, when the stormtrooper comes up to the tower and he kind of looks, he's, he's just in a weird like position like he's, you know, he's not already ready to fire. He's sort of like. I don't know what he was waiting for. So I would say <laughs> that as far as competency level, you know, you deserve then to get kicked out of the tower. And I, I keep laughing every time I, sadly, every time I see him falling out of the tower and the, and the apparel <laughs> officer look, but I would say a combination of they were really close. And mm. this kind of takes one of my questions um, because I kept wondering, it's like, what was the, what would have been the point to keep firing and not have the whole city burn? Um, mm. So I thought, although, you know, at one point, I liked how the chaos kind of came organically, and they were reacting from the point of, like, they sh they didn't close it down early enough to, they're just firing, and, and it seems to be firing at will, and they're, and they're not really, they're taking out civilians, and they're taking out, you know, the instigators as well, and or people who are trying to, to, to beat up on officers. But yeah, it just seemed like there was enough of people there when you see the crowd that you're going to hit somebody. But yeah, they mm -hmm. did. Um, they did manage to be, be fairly efficient in that. Um, but, and, and I think that does sort of, you know, that stuff sort of bring into the terror of, you know, when you've got enough of them and they have, they have the resources like that. It, it was, it was a striking scene and, you know, it was really hard to watch in some cases. Um, mm. But, you know, like I said, as much as they were going going to town on some folks, and you start to wonder, I'm like, when are they going to start running out of people to shoot? Because who's still <laughs> there within that, mm. that the, the box, as they, they kind of described it? Um, but, yeah, I, I think once you get to the bell tower and you start to go, okay, I don't feel so bad because some idiot went up there and then just... <laughs> sit there and went, what were you expecting to find and then let the guy basically kick you out a window so that that's that's my argument what did you think well i have to in at your mention of the time grappler and that trooper uh, someone on hive uh, was passing around a meme that said like uh the tower was uh my desire to buy new star wars things and the trooper flying out the side was labeled my wallet or something <laughs> along those lines and it, got, it gave me a good chuckle um yeah, I think you're right, and it it certainly reminds me of what we've seen in the prison and then here, which is the only like the secret power of the rebellion is there are more of us, Poe. Right? There are more right. of us, and that is a power, but 
you are going to lose more, right? If, if you know, the point is, yeah, they are able to do so much on this street because there are so many of them, but that means that a lot of them are going to get mowed down and it's okay because there's more of us and there's more um, to, to take their, their ranks. Um, so I completely agree, though, with your kind of tactical note of, like, they were in a very contained area, packed to the gills, like fish in a barrel, literally, I guess, in, in my metaphor there. Uh, so... I think that's a, a contributing factor. I'm continued. I, I have some interest into when and why they choose to use these kind of crowd control troopers versus the storm troopers. Mm-hmm. Cause we've never really seen those troopers used in exactly that way. I mean, I guess we have Han Solo on Mimbin uh, has that style armor, which is kind of uh, Veers inspired shout out to Veers watch. Um, and uh, so I think to me, there's a reason to do it from a production standpoint, which is that when you see the faces of your enemy, it means something a lot different than just the old familiar stormtrooper faces. But I also think um, because of the great work of people like the 501st, stormtroopers themselves don't inspire fear as much as they once did. And then all mm-hmm. these goofy jokes like Zach's about, uh, you know, the stormtroopers never miss- never hitting the target, always missing. Um, I think they've lost some of their power that they once had and so um maybe it is time for andor to help us remember you know they did this for tie fighters for me and aldani like i was never afraid of tie fighters and then on aldani they were terrifying as you heard it echoing and and roaring through so uh maybe it's time for stormtroopers to get that little upgrade so all right before i ramble on about my fears any further hit me with your question all right and yes about those troops i thought it was nice that they were sprinkled in and i think they were used very effectively and yes in the regular troops the the grunts as it were you know they probably had a little more flexibility to deal with the crowds just because you know mm. um the stormtroopers can come in and they're you know they don't have the mobility as far as that's concerned and they were you know it was interesting that they you know they had the shields up and you know they were just trying to hold people back and then it was all of a sudden yeah like i said it's you know somebody gets hit and, and then all of a sudden you know all heck breaks loose um and I think I will, uh, this is a great point before I start my question. Um, you know, the, the whole, the whole funerary stone, uh, scene, uh, was special to me because my dad made brick for over about, about 50 years. He worked for oh, brick. Wow. And, uh, you know, I, you know, plenty of brick came home, you know, it was part of our, you know, it was part of our driveway and so forth. So I've held my fair share of brick and regular brick is really heavy. <laughs> you know, it's like a regular <laughs> brick is, you know, about five, you know, like it's, real heavy and the stone that uh the stone marva's stone was probably a good 20 30 pounds and when (laughs) brasso lays that guy outside the head with and i was joking with my friend uh paul about this i'm like that fella's not getting up you know you get hit with a brick that's like getting hit with like you know a like a you know 30 pound dumbbell it's like you're staying down and um but i thought that you know and he like holds it up i'm like only a man like brasso could probably hold one of those in one hand Uh, regardless (laughs) of the material goes into it like yeah no so the stone that that's going to be a heavy stone and uh, and a shout out to that so you know when i saw the whole city you know the whole city's made of brick um 
unfortunately, except for the roads, which drive me nuts because, you know, you know, as well as I do, you know, in, in places like Boston or even where, you know, Ohio university where I went to school, it's like, you know, there are brick roads. I'm like, there could have been more brick. It didn't seem like you were out of brick. You could have made brick roads and everybody be a little less grungy, but yeah, just a, just a shout out. I love, I love the funerary stone. And I, and like I said, mm. we'll get, maybe get back into some of this later on, but I had to, I had to say, I just, I still, that still probably one of my favorite parts of the episode. Um, well, I'm going to take us off of Ferrix for a bit. I'm going to take us back to Coruscant um, because there was a great twist in the beginning of the show. And did I just see Mon throwing Perrin under the bus? <laughs> I, if so, brilliant. What uh, What's your take on that? Ugh, well, you are wholesale stealing a question I had written down, which was something <laughs> director Benick and I had talked over our pints about, uh, because I 100% think that that is the right read on that scene. And in true Andor fashion, they did it subtly and she didn't stress over it or whatever, but all the dominoes were set up. She knew that the chauffeur was a replacement who was probably a spy. She knew he was listening and monitoring. And yet she just decides like, okay, this is my go. And, <laughs> and, and when you watch it on a second or third viewing, you realize Perrin is like a villain, but he actually did nothing wrong that night. And so when he starts freaking out about like, who's talking to you, who told you this, who's turning you against me? He's innocent in that specific charge is, is my read on the situation. And so he's losing his mind that this is what's going to, you know, I, I don't know that they can get divorced, but this is what he's in trouble for. And yet he's really innocent, uh, at least on this night. So uh, I think I, I think the end of the Mon Mothma arc and, and maybe we'll lump together her two scenes is that she made the decision that true freedom is going to cost her both her family members. And I think, you know, we were prepared to be okay with that in some regards, but there's always this lingering thought of, you know, for me anyway, of, you know, is that what is, is freedom worth it? If it costs us everything we love and everyone we, we hold dear, uh, you know, is it better to just submit a little and stay safe? I think these are some of the themes mm -hmm. that, that Andor wants you to play with. And I'm, I'm certainly not saying given to fascists, but it's also like, you know, how how much is too much to have to sacrifice? And, uh, you know, that also brings up Luthan's speech. So, yes, I, you know, I think Moth, Mon Mothma came out of this series in a moment that it would be easy to consider her a villain in some some small ways. But um, the performance of Genevieve O'Reilly and the, the depth of her backstory has been a real delight um, for for me in this series. I think in something at Celebration, uh, maybe the big panel, they had said uh, her plotline was going to be like the West Wing uh, in space. And it, it never really was that. I think it was much more spy thriller than than pure West Wing, which is a, a in tone is very optimistic about government and, and uh, power. And uh, yet it's really interesting to me how dirty these last couple moves are on her regard <laughs> but you know we know that every choice she makes gets her to that briefing room with the plans for the second death star and the way to take down the emperor so i think a lot of people would say it's worth the cost it's worth the sacrifice 
Well, and, you know, just to, to go back to an earlier point you made on that, you know, when, when your child, I'm not you personally, but when your <laughs> child uh, finally gets it for the things that they have done, you know, it's generally not the last thing that they have done, but it's usually, that's the golf, I used to say like the golf of Tonkin episode where, you know, one of my kids would have done, you know, like they, they, they've done these little things and not any one thing has garnered that I'm going to, you know, we're going to hit yoga back of the woodshed. Not that I'm endorsing this kind of behavior, (laughs) but what I would say is generally the thing that makes, makes daddy snap is is usually not the thing that you would expect, but it's usually a culmination of things when you go, all right, we're going to, you know, something's going to happen right now, whether you get a timeout for the next, you know, hour much, or, you know, something, something a little more drastic, but it's like, yeah, it's generally not the thing that either the kid nor the parent thinks is going to be the last one to go, you know what, this is my opportunity and I'm going to use this very thin veil to, to, to exercise, you know, my, my parentship. But yeah, I was, you know, you kind of figured the last scene was going to happen and you were kind of like waiting for it. But once again, they keep throwing these little twists in and it was just when you kind of saw it happening and you're like, Oh, this is good. I just think, you know, it was a great, turn for her who she's really just not she's not had a good run uh the character has been you know she's just been broken inside but you know you can react the way she reacted out of this i would just like it just just cheers and bravo as far as you know genevieve's just performance but i just thought what a great way to take something and you know and and once again this payoff of the of their deposits. You know, we talk about the missing money. You know, they have been the writers have been depositing this money, and you know, when they make a withdrawal, it's like, man, that's a good reason. Um, and you just really feel that you, you know they did it right. They did it right. <laughs> well, and and I can't. I would be neglectful as a major Last Jedi fan if I didn't know they gave Canto Bite a little yes. shout out. Which you know. Um, if you listen to a lot of commentary on Marvel, Marvel is famous for taking some of their uh, less beloved things and turning around and making it essential. So I think by all accounts, Thor two is one of the worst of the Marvel movies, but then you get to end game and a chunk of end game is set inside of Thor two. So you really have to know that story and what's going on there. So uh, I felt like this was just the tiniest version of that. It's cause you know, people I know who, you know, like Last Jedi, but don't love it. The thing they always point to is like, oh, but that Canto Bite scene is just ch- dreadful. And and uh, I thought this was a little like, yep, it still exists, fools. We're not <laughs> erasing that trilogy or that movie or that scene. And and so I was really glad to see that. <laughs> I, you know, I think you also have to hand it, you know, you have all this, you have all this canon and legends and all this stuff to take bits and pieces from. And if you, you know, if you just consider as one big toolbox, you're going to find the right piece of the, you're going to find the right tool. You're going to find the right piece of the puzzle and it doesn't have to hit you over the head. Sometimes you just go, Hey, I need a, I need a, a blank there and that's perfect. And that's all they needed to do. And it's just like, that's just nice. I, I like that. Yeah. And it made sense for that scene. It didn't feel like it was shoehorned in there. Um, so I, I absolutely love that. And boy, you know, um, I can't wait to see their interaction because it's, only going to get worse from this point um but there's a lot that they set up to go okay now what happens and it it just gives it once again this all these dimensions that you know that really just make a character i think you know not only with uh with saw getting so much more since rogue one but you know 
Mon Mothma as well with Rogue One and with Return of the Jedi. And so uh, they've just really done a great job with these characters who have, you know, they, they become iconic in their own way, mainly mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, based on just brevity. But it's fun when you're going to see them flashed out, but they're doing such a great job with them. Yeah, and um, to that end, not to ask a season two question, but to just note that this whole season for Mon Mothma has been, how do I get the eye of the emperor of the empire off of me for moving money around and that seems to have been solved for the moment (laughs) so that what does that free her to do uh you know is she going to then be free to to be more active in the rebellion or is that the trap she slipped out of just to fall into a bigger trap next uh season so um you know i i would be incredibly sad if this had been a one season show and this was it the only thing giving me comfort uh right now is the fact that it's going to come back and we know it's going to have a nice long second season that covers five years is is Mm. the the, what they've mapped out in the plan so all right well uh while we're not well we're not with cassian i will shift to the other uh plot line uh and uh you know, it was really stirring how everything kind of folded in on Ferex. Uh, for me, there was that one moment where um, uh, Cyril and his buddy, who uh, I'm not, I don't have the right Sergeant doc open, Musk. so I can't see. Sergeant okay, Musk. Okay, so Sergeant Musk, and they uh, walk down the stairs to go try to get to the, the funeral, and they just walk by Luthen. And Luthen's just standing there, like, watching them pass. And, and like, that to me was just so brilliant, because they didn't make a big thing, like, like Pond Baba and Dr. Evazan in, um, in, <laughs> in Rogue, Rogue One, One, right? They didn't like bump into each other and be like, oh, hello, or whatever. It was just like, oh, we're there. And as the audience, we know how incredible it is that they've ended up side by side again and what that could mean, but they don't even uh, notice it. Um, so talking about our boy Cyril, uh, I'm going to steal from Decoding TV. They like to talk about good Karn tent, uh, which would be Cyril <laughs> Karn content. Uh, Edie takes takes the week off, which is a shame, and, and we hope we see Edie again. Uh, have you found her as an avatar yet? I, I like that <sighs> joke. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait. <laughs> so here's my real question. Do you think Deidre changed her mind about Cyril? He gets his big heroic moment. He gets to save her and pull her to safety. Did that finally change her opinion of him, or does she feel exactly the same way about him? I, you know, that was that was an amazing scene, and what I kept coming away was their reaction to. He seemed, you know, for someone who in the first arc, you know, just completely, you know, completely just. Um, start you know shell shock from the explosions around and and the and the mess it's mm. created. He was, you know, oddly and I would say, creepily calm by the situation. You know he, you know he was able to to get that blaster. You know to see her to get that blaster, pull her in there, you know pull her away from what would have been she would have been torn apart. And then you know I would just say her her reaction to where she has to kind of calm down because, you know, this just kind of gets to someone. I don't care who you are. It kind of gets to, and then she starts going and then she's like, I suppose I should say thank you. And he's like, you don't have to thank me. And I'm like, and I kept saying like, you need to get out of there. Um, (laughs) But you know, I don't, you know, on the one hand you could say like, 
he's risked, you know, he's risked, you know, stealing from stealing from mama to get there and he's got to get back and who knows about his job and so forth. But will this be the thing that we've been kind of speculating is that, all right, they're going to get in cahoots. Will she still use him or, you know, move him into a position where he can be more useful, but still keep an eye on things? It certainly, I don't think, changed his perception at all of what either he thinks is right or wrong. He's still, mm-hmm. you know, they've still got to be after after Andor. But I just, you know, I, I, I really, you know, it, it's going to be kind of the same where I think she kind of has some of the same decisions. Like, do I keep, do I now use this tool even though it could come back to really bite me, you know, or do I, you know, so I think I, I would hope I would see them once again, we're kind of diving into, into the future, but if anything, this was your moment kid, you know, this was certainly better Mm -hmm. than, well, he had a different color cloak. So I would say as far as the makeup exam, you can't not fault him for, you know, for being an opportunist, but you know, I think it'll be interesting to see how they develop it. But um, I, I hope that she does keep one eye on him as much as, you know, she's kind of obviously turned into the villain. We, you know, we, you know, originally you're kind of rooting for her. Now you're just like, Bleh. but um, it, their dynamic. And I, like I said, I hope there's enough time in, in future seasons or in the future mm-hmm. season to explore that. Uh, I would assume he has a part in it. Otherwise, I kind of expected him to buy, to buy it here. Um, yeah. You know, but uh, and we don't always see is Mosk at the end sipping on a flask, um, yeah, kind of going, yeah. you know, kind of taking that shh, like he's kind of like <laughs> us afterwards going, I really need to sit down and process all this. <laughs> but um, at, at any rate, but yeah, uh, um, I, I saw that that picture of him on the Internet and somebody had labeled it like when when he leaves you for a girl or something <laughs> like that. It's like, yeah, it, it had that kind of vibe like. He sacrificed a lot to get there too, and then it's like, oh, he's he's just gone. So, um, but maybe that that is a good clue to say that that Cyril went off with the ISB, whatever that means about the the collegiality between the two or not. Um, you know that he at least got a ride home would seem warranted. But uh, you know, I really hadn't thought about his arc across the season in the way you described. But I think that is dead on right and what they want you to see is the huge difference between episode three and episode 12 and his reactions and and so i think that's very smart um i will say i think and brian alluded to this last week that like a lot of people stuck on the like i'm rooting for cyril uh train a little (laughs) too long but the breaking point i think was the the stalker moment uh, for just about everybody it was like okay <laughs> and in the context of that i mean if i putting it in our world terms if i had somebody who showed up in my life and was a little creepy here in boston and then suddenly i'm in los angeles and they're with me i would <laughs> lose my mind i would you know if not call the police just get uh, out so far out of that so um so when they are in the closet and in a lesser movie they would have been smoochy kissing to quote bluey which is what my kids are watching endlessly uh it did feel like he was like he had his one shot and he could have run off her shock and gotten his triumphant kiss i was so glad and i'm sure we were all like tense and like ew is it gonna happen is it icky but uh you already quoted my best piece of evidence which is she said i suppose i should be thankful or i should say thank you that wasn't 
I'm thankful. <laughs> it is, I suppose I should be thankful, which to me means she hasn't changed her mind at all and, and still finds him a creep, uh, probably justifiably. Um, you know, where they go from here, I think, is a very interesting question. But um, his arc as kind of this internet dude who's like from the nastiest parts of the internet and uh you know an incel or or what have you feels right to me and part of what makes that type of person so dangerous is they think they're correct and whatever they see happen and whatever they read online confirms how correct they are and i think this episode just proved to cyril he's correct in his own mind and he did the right thing and and he's made no bad choices and finally that now she has to recognize it exactly um, i don't know what's going to happen I, I agree with you keep an eye on him maybe yeah. he becomes what the empire you know like the isp has like an equipment manager where you know you're not exactly on the team but you do get to clean the offices and you know, maybe that's enough, but uh, w w time will tell as far as that's uh, concerned. But I, I would also be remiss in not saying that one of my favorite scenes for no good reason was the passing of the hat between the two of them uh, when mm. no one was like, you know, they're they're on another level that no one's really paying attention to. <laughs> uh, but I thought it was it, this was it was a great moment, I think, uh, in a series where when you have that kind of time to do these little things that, you know, the, the scene was basically like, you know, there you can see them coming into town, but they have yeah. to have this little moment that, you know, that they're, you know, they're, they're still on this level of like, they're treating it as this thing, but no one, you know, no one cares that they're there <laughs> or that they yeah. know each other, but they have to. And I just, that was just such a great, that was such a yeah. great little scene. Yeah. Um, all right, let me, I'm going to, I'm going to, the one thing that has kind of um, dogged me some, this whole season when, is when they they refer to the emperor, and I think there mm. was the scene at the ISB during. So so sorry about you know Anto Krieger, and and the raid where they, they don't even know how many bodies to count. Mm. Um, but you know when when Partagas goes, you know we wipe the stench of Aldani from the emperor's mouth, and I keep wondering because here's a guy supposedly who knows where all the pieces are going to be anyway. Or at least that's what he he says. Do you think he was really that concerned about? the Aldani incident to begin with, or was it the folks around him or was it just a, you know, he's got bigger fish to fry. He's trying to make more of himself out there. Does he really <laughs> care about these events the way that the ISB or other people think that he, you know, like we hear it, you, other another rogue one callback you know it's like mm -hmm. well you know when tarkin's gone you can go that tell that to the emperor you know director uh you know director krennic or all this do you really think he cared about all this hmm uh i do like the the he's like checking on his his uh supply orders for building three thousand <laughs> uh star destroyers that he's gonna staff with a generation of people who will one day lift off almost out of the atmosphere and then be killed unceremoniously. Uh, that's so uh, sorry. I don't, people love Tross, but it, I got, some, I got some logic problems with some of that. Uh, what do I think? I, so I interpret those moments as Sheev Palpatine's vanity. Um, and okay. I, I want to, I want to tread carefully cause I know, you know, uh, our, our listenership probably has a mix of politics, but, uh, Fiona Shaw, 
told us uh, in one of her early interviews, the Marva actress, that this was what it is like to live in the Trump Johnson era. So Trump here in America, Boris Johnson in the UK. And how I personally interpret those men is whatever skills they have or don't have, they much more care about the impression they give in the galaxy. So I don't think she cares about the money. I don't think he cares about Eldani. I think he knows that out there in the galaxy, the rumor is that somebody bested him. And like you said, that outsmarted the chancellor. And so I think it is a little bit of a black eye. Like he doesn't care long term. He's got way bigger plots unfurling. But anything that makes him look the littlest bit bad has to be squashed and stomped out because he wants to always be supreme and be the top of it. And um, I wouldn't be earning my pay if I didn't reference, you know, there's been uh, an ongoing canon uh, comic arc right now set between Empire and Return of the Jedi. And uh, I really don't want to spoil it. I highly recommend it. Charles Sewell has been doing three three different series. Um, uh, Crimson Empire, Crimson Reign, and now Hidden Empire just started this week. And uh, all I will say is there is a a threat from the underworld that has as its direct purpose to undo the rule of the Sith. They mm. know that it, that the Emperor and Vader are a Sith. And uh, if you've seen the covers, you know exactly why they know that and who knows that. But I'm still trying to protect it from anybody who maybe hasn't had that spoiled for them. Uh, and so the direct purpose is to take them down. And what we've reached in that comic arc is the exact same kind of moment where Sheev and uh, I don't know why I'm addressing him by his first name, but but where Palpatine <laughs> and Peter have... Uh, they say enough, right? Like this has gone too far. And it's like, it was an annoyance. It was a nuisance, but now it's made me look bad. And so we're going to squash all of this out with, you know, just complete wrathful vengeance and get rid of it all. So, um, so I think, I think as, as much as he is the emperor of the galaxy and the greatest Sith Lord of all time, I think he's a fragile little man who, you know, I don't know, like maybe a billionaire who bought Twitter because, uh, you know, nobody uh, nobody gave him enough attention and a few people made fun of him. So he's going to make sure the whole thing goes down in flames. Maybe maybe something like that. (laughs) Well, I was as I was thinking and I was listening to another podcast um, talk about, you know, uh, you know, a certain social media network and, you know, a certain CEO <laughs> was having all these engineers fly out and bring all their source code with them. Then you go, oh. I can, I could see those. I, I, I could see the parallel there, but yeah, part of me just could not get over the fact. I'm like, why would he, you know, cause he's got other, like I said, he's got other fish to fry, but I do agree after listening that I think there is a vanity thing there that, you know, Maybe you know they they the ISB and other the other parts of the empire took the ball and ran with it, and he can just sit back and go, all right, I've kind of turned you know sicked these guys loose, you know. Mm-hmm. In another time and place, we would have said, oh, obviously he's going to send Vader to quarrel this, but you know, like okay, yeah. there's there's so many more wings now that you get more dimensions. Um, but yeah, I just said maybe just officially, um, but yeah, I do like the I do like the vanity aspect of it, and um, you know it interesting you know like i i liked you know if you want to if you want to start a conversation you know bring bring him access or access um which i thought was a great way to finish that out mm. um at any rate 
the currency is favors and the currency is yeah that you got the job done so absolutely and uh i'm seeing here that uh, i may have to take advantage of uh the code cyber 50 uh for marvel unlimited that was one of the things i was thinking that uh, for black (laughs) friday and so forth that a year of uh a year of marvel unlimited uh could go down this holiday season uh because just getting caught up after you know um, after uh, years and months, and there's these great, like I said, there's these great stories, and now they're all canon, and it's hard to kind of keep up, let alone try to buy them. So I think Marvel Unlimited may be a way to go in 2023 to kind of, you know, get back and read some of these, you know, the the War of the Bounty Hunters and all that kind of stuff to get myself caught up before the uh, before I get too far behind with it. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm a sucker for Canon. I actually, I was just talking with my wife, how my collecting has dropped way down because of space issues. And just, I don't know, after the thrill of Kenobi, there's now it's like, well, I don't really need to collect everything else uh, for it. But, uh, but uh, the books just don't slow down. We've had something every week this month. Uh, if you buy, you know, every age range, plus like the, the coffee table books. And so, um, somebody on Twitter or on Instagram just said to me, like, I, I want to read all these things you're reading, but I can't keep up. I'm like, I have my wife's staff discount or else I wouldn't be <laughs> shelling out all this money uh, for books on endlessly. So, yes, uh, now that you've lost your your extra gig, you have the time for such things. And Marvel Unlimited is a great choice. Um, and uh, it always looks so sharp on an iPad, too. I just got to say, like, that that's when I had my subscription. It was so nice to read comics that way. And a good way for people to, to keep up. I can't do it on my phone. I'm too old, but, uh, on, on the iPad, it looks great. No. And, you know, you know, in, in one of those things where especially like, you know, when you're looking for, as we're going into, you know, you know, obviously cost of risen and things like that, you know, finding these deals like, uh, you know, Peacock, uh, the network, which I think has Yellowstone, Yellowstone kind of goes back. I think the earlier seasons of Yellowstone are on Peacock, um, and I was, I liked 1883 when I, I just happened to catch that, you know, Oregon trail on, you know, on the series. Um, nice. but you know, Peacock had this, uh, black Friday deal where it was like 12 months for a buck a month. And I'm like, there we go. There's $12. I don't yeah. mind spending. <laughs> and even if it's for a year or like, you know, like I said, sometimes like I drop Apple TV plus, I might pick it back up. Um, when severance season two comes back on. So, you know, it kind of dipping in and out of this same thing. I was surprised um, in all this on Wednesday that Tops dropped the Book of Boba Fett, um, you know, card set, and they were actually at a decent price. And mm-hmm. so they were about 65 bucks MSRP for a hobby box. And I'm like, all right, that's going down uh, because, you know, cards have been expensive and you start to run into a space as well. Um, so I was like, no, this is a good time. And I some other of our, our friends were getting into the 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 cards and they look great and you know there's some possibility for trading but yeah a lot of decisions as far as like collecting not to take this to another show which i'm supposed (laughs) to be doing um but yeah there is something where it's like it's hard to keep up on all this stuff whether it's books or comic books or cards and all this not and you know we're in a position now where we may need to think about more things um you know it, it only costs us time to watch but you know disney plus Whereas it almost is now like a utility. Are they gonna? Are they gonna? <laughs> but yeah, it does. T- it does take time, and you have to go back, and you have to find these things, and and holidays uh, like this, holiday seasons, while we're waiting for for Bad Batch, um, and, and you know, space to display said said things. Um, a good time to maybe clear out 
um, mm. and get ready for and you know whereas because we're all going to eventually become uh, Rancho Obi Wan in our own house and then <laughs> buried underneath that. All right, Greg, what is your next question? Yeah, I'm going to skip to the ending, um, and I'll I'll offer the question by giving my reaction. So as they load everybody onto the freighter, including B two and the the kid who threw the bomb and Brasso, it felt like they had built rebels right like a Mm. a new rebel show with a little crew on a on a ship ready to go off and do adventures and you know b2 saying cassian and was so happy and all excited but then the shocker for me was that cassian didn't stay with them right so my question to you is why didn't he why didn't he stay on the ship with the ferrix crew why do you think he's now headed off on his own adventure with Luthen, and we get that other great scene. But why do you think he didn't stay with his friends? I think he was trying to separate himself from them to protect them, because I think they'd been through enough, and knowing that, you know, he is wanted so much, I I think it was mainly just to get them away. And it's kind of sad, because you look at that, you know, you look on, look on Brasso's face, right? He is, you know, you know, it doesn't look like he's been on a ship too many times. And, you know, he's kind of in shock about what happens and now what happens next. Uh, Pax, I think that's, was it Pack, His boy, his son, uh, yep. the one that built the bomb. You know, he was sort of like, you know, he had a lot of, he has a lot of things he needs to talk to somebody about. Of course, Bix <laughs> is kind of broken. So, and, and then there was that, uh, the, the, the other lady who was uh, one of the daughters of Ferrix. And then B2, you know, one... You, we all wanted to see B2 uh, be safe. And, <laughs> and I do like the fact that it does look like Andor will catch up with him at some point. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And, and let's just say, of course, what, what really kicks the crowd off, you, you touch B2 and people are going to lose their, their collective, you know, you know yep. what? Yep. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think that's great where you were going with the question. I'm like, I think that is a great little series because these are all characters we are very invested in. And I think they would make a great mix. Um, mm. So that that you know whether it's a you know it, it, whether it's a series, whether it's a one shot, whether it's a book, um, I think I think you're right. I think it's about all these folks coming together who weren't expecting to be together, but now they have a common you know they have a common goal: a to survive, and b now what, right? Yeah. But yeah, even at the end to go into Andor's meeting with Luthen. You know, I, I think we have to, I'm going to bookmark that because I think we need to talk about that. Um, mm. And what I, what I wasn't expecting about that conversation, um, mm. were you, you know, kill me or take me in. And I did the first time I was like, take you in where, oh, oh. and then, you know, Luthen has that sign. It's that smile that ends it. And you're just like, man, what, what a turn, what, a, what an arc for Cassian. Yeah, yeah, I, I think let's let's have that conversation. So, um, what is it that that takes him from the Ferrix crew on? Um, I, I completely think you're right, and especially the the change in Bix from the opening episodes where she's like, "Yeah, you're just a scoundrel and you're irresponsible," to the dead on assertion, Cassian will find us. Like she had complete faith and knows he will if he promises and. 
obviously the fact that everybody else had given up on her and she and he came and got her uh gave her that faith and so absolutely stirring and beautiful as a part of that so i interpret it as like you know i go always go back to what tony gilroy said which is this season is the education of cassian andor Mm -hmm. and i think this final episode finally showed him uh passing the exam in some ways right and we had a reminder you know we didn't get anything from his home planet with his sister which i think some of the shows i listened to had wondered is that plot done is that so that piece is gone at least at the moment but we get his adopted father telling him again uh showing him that nobody expects you know to come from below and nobody expects the rusty people to 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 save the day uh we get him reading nemec's manifesto nemec taking a hard stance against yoda by saying try (laughs) uh try which you know i'm i'm a sucker for do or do not there is no try but i recently heard a stand-up comedian saying like that's the stupidest message I've ever heard and, and like really <laughs> tore it apart. And you're like, you know what? It is kind of silly. So I, I like that, that Nemec is, is, is a try. Um, another beautiful scene that Ben uh, and I confessed to both crying over while we were crying over our pints is uh, Brasso giving mm-hmm. Marva's message to Cassian. And the fact that Marva could have recorded that for Cassian, but didn't, but it came through Brasso. And a message about when you find what you believe in and what you can do and those overlap, you're going to be unstoppable. Um, incredibly powerful. And so I, I interpret the ending as the culmination of all that, right? Those are the little melodies in the symphony. And then we get this big crescendo at the end where Cassian is is now all in. And, and you know, my honest feeling on the the Luthan scene is he was he was ready to die, right? He's like, mm-hmm. OK, like. It, it was a legitimate offer. It's like, kill me or let's do this. And, um, you know, you're absolutely right to say Stellan Skarsgård's little grin. That's just like, <sighs> I did it. I did it. Like we're, and, and I think he knows, like he sees an unstoppable man in front of him now and knows that, you know, for all that Luthen has sacrificed, he now is no longer alone, right? His mind is not a sunless space. He's got one friend, if nothing else, to to carry on the fight and one one compatriot. Uh, yeah, and I, I like how I like how Cassian put it out there. I mean, he had everything to lose, and you know, you're because even Luthen was kind of confused, like, what's the, what's the game? I don't he. I, and I like the I like these moments with Luthen and, and like with Saw, you know, in a, in a previous episode where he wasn't quite like I'm not quite sure. And I like that where instead of him just, you know, it's really cool when you see him two or three steps ahead. But you, mm-hmm. I think you get a lot more out of it when there's these times where they're not like, all right, what's okay. Um, but yeah, I think Cassian was just ready to put it all out there and whatever. Um, and that's you know just shows Luthen. He's, you know, he's willing to sacrifice it all at this point. What he doesn't have anything more left to lose, and I think separating the 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 little cell and the you know like the B twos and all that, getting them out of harm's way, takes a thing off that he knows that they're going to be safe. They're not point. there anymore, and they can't be harmed in his name. And so he can now he can just goes like, I'm free to let let's do this. Um, uh, ugh. 
Well, and and think about Marva's message. Like, why didn't we stand up? Because we had each other, and mm-hmm. we and that's exactly what you just said. He has them, and he saved them, and they his community continues. Ferrix will probably face some retribution, but it it, it lives again. And so, um, you know, I think you're right that that checks off a box, and he's free to go uh, take care of business for the rebellion. I don't think we can get out of this episode, and I do kind of want to bring this to a close, but I don't think we could get out of this episode without talking about Marva's message. Mm. And I'm going to wrap this in in, in my last question by saying... Is she not? Is she not one of the originators of the rebellion, or what? That yeah. that speech, and I was surprised that they let it go on as long as they did. They didn't really quite get what she was getting at. But when she gets into that, I mean, you know, you really find out that you know she's, you know, I don't know how to describe it other than it was just what an amazing set of words, and you know, she just like with having Brasso tell Cassie and, you know, about, you know, like, let it go. It's, you know, it's not your fault, that kind of thing. This was just, yeah, this was really to get the crowd riled up and, uh, you know, and, and to have at it. But um, your, your impressions, you know, is she, is she the rebel leader that we were, we, that we didn't know we need, we, uh, we got or needed? Well, and, and absolutely. I thought Nemec's manifesto was going to play that role. And I'm not diminishing that segment of it. We got in this episode, which, which again, as you know, director Benick has transcribed for us and just reading it is really powerful and moving, but I was not expecting Marva to be so central. And, and part of that is they made it very clear. She was off the playing field last episode, right? right. She was gone, but uh, the building of this Ferrix community and this, these rituals and and you already said beautiful things about the bricklaying like it's all so moving and the idea of you know giving back to the community so um and and sorry just to gush on the writing for one <laughs> other second they they just let you pick it up as you go along right like it's it's not ever like there's a guy who's like, well, you know, when we have funerals, we all march together and then the, there's a play recording and the, the person who died, like they make it really like they trust us. They're like, you're smart. You can watch this and figure it out. So when <laughs> when she says, you know, I've stood here before and now it's my turn to lift you up. And that's that's the the goal. Um, just, you know, when she gave her speech way back in episode four, five, six, somewhere in there where she, she talked about how she's going to join the rebellion. Um, that was already worth an Emmy, but Marva's speech here was unbelievable. And she delivered it, delivered it really well. You know, when we were getting on our morning call, I thought you were going to text me and say, I would get up, uh, I would get a wake up early and, and fight those bastards. Uh, so, uh, um, she, she will only ever be responsible for Ferrex. She's not going to be a Mon Mothma or a Bale uh, Organa, who we never saw, by the way. Uh, but mm, yeah. uh, I think she will always be a key part of what gets us to Rogue One, and only Rogue One gets us to A New Hope. So you can't diminish that contribution, um, you know, and and just the most stirring um, personal kind of version of the rebellion fight I think we've ever heard. So, uh, you know, no notes, 10 out of 10. I loved every moment of it. It broke my heart. It made me clench my fist. It made me shout It, you know, uh, and then, like you said, when that 
son of a gun comes and kicks B2 over before her <laughs> message is done. Like, I was ready to throw some uh, punches as well. So, yes. <laughs> well, and also knowing when she made the recording of, you know, I, I instead of just kind of looking out at kind of nobody, she's she knows that she's going to be projected. And so she's addressing the crowd. She's like, I can, mm. it feels like I can almost see you. And it has that effect, right? Where it just like people can look up and then what is it um, when she says, I'll tell you this and everybody kind of looks up because they're just kind of in there like yeah. frozen all of a sudden. They're like, I'm like, man, that is that is a good, you know, that that's just good. I can't really that, describe it. That on. camera angle they use for a few people, but memorably on Brasso, that is like looking down from Marva on him and he just lifts his chin. And again, that theme of, of rising and climbing and so on, like... Oh, unbelievable. So, so beautiful. All right. All right. <laughs> Any last thoughts before we close it out today, Mr. Gass? I mean, so the only question on my list uh, that I hadn't used was to steal from Coffee with Kenobi and and ask you your letter grade for the, the season of this uh, show. Uh, and I'll, <laughs> I'll say that uh, I'll give my answer first and then, then let you close out the show, which is I will just say that, you know, I think you and I, when it comes to Star Wars in particular, we're pretty positive dudes. Uh, I think, you know, if we're watching something, then it has to lose our affection instead of earn our affection. Mm. Um, And I had had there were enough signs from celebration onward that this was going to be something really special. But I could never have imagined a depth or um, like just a beauty in Star Wars of this degree. And and I'm really hopeful that George Lucas watches it because I think this is part of what he dreamed about for Return of the Jedi, right? When he talks about the Ewoks on Endor, he talks about the Viet Cong and how this is the the low-level, non-technological society rising up to take out the Empire. And I think, you know, there are a lot of reasons why Return of the Jedi isn't as gritty and real as what we saw. But I really think it fits... Uh, a very deep vision of what George Lucas understood Star Wars could be about myth and the way myth uh, should inform its current age and yet also be timeless. Um, And so I will just say that I look back and and see us uh, remember us gushing about, you know, some of the episodes of Book of Boba Fett and, you know, even a few (laughs) of the Bad Batch episodes, which, you know, were it's a charming show. It's a great show. I'm not diminishing it. There are are a couple clunkers in there uh, in in the long season. So I just I've been completely blown away. It's an A plus plus for me. I I teach college, so I don't get to give A pluses. So I will absolutely give the A plus to this series and say um, it is probably up there in the conversation for my favorite pieces of star Wars media of all time, just for me. Uh, Agreed. And I would, I would give it an, I would give it an A plus as well. And I know that um, if we tie it back into coffee with Kenobi, I know very early on, you know, Dan was asking like, is this star Wars? And I kind of counter back. I think my, my response is it's a star Wars story Mm -hmm. where, but I do think I agree that, you know, if I'm George Lucas, if we can, you know, if you're, Get, want to get in that headspace, you know, something like this is, can you take what I've created and can you get a deeper meaning out of it? I think he could not be more than happy about it because it's like, on the one hand, a book of Boba Fett is a great way to take, like, I'm going to take my toys out and we're going to have some fun. And it was, it was fun. And there were some moments and there were some characters, there were some things that worked and didn't work so well. But, you know, to, to, to see, to see this like kind of taken to, 
you know, they were unapologetic as far as like, this is the kind of story we want to tell. This is the pace we're going to tell. And, you know, there weren't any laser swords running around. There wasn't any use of, of the force. But you felt like, I felt like Star Wars was all around me, even if there wasn't necessarily a Star War. And going back to how you, using just a TIE fighter here or a couple stormtroopers there, using them very judiciously. But the whole time you're, you're seeing this, these pieces built. It's almost like you're seeing George Lucas's, you know, pile of Legos before he starts building. And then, of course, with the scene at the end, you kind of go, you know, it, it kind of ties in to go like, this is how it it connects. So I would just say, you know, Rogue One always hit because it was sort of an adult version of Star Wars. It was a Star Wars I felt that, you know, kind of addressed a need, I guess, I had at the time or my age or things like that. Whereas other ones, you know, regardless of where you are, where you came in, um, this, I think, as far as like writing and production and it just the look of it was really good. And yeah. there are just moments that I think like, like I said, Acolyte is on the you're on you're on yep. a call. You have you have <laughs> the ability to take a lot of characters that we don't really know and go to town. And you could tell that you have the freedom. Just use it and use it well. You know, if you're going to get your time in the spotlight, don't you know, like don't don't rush things. Let it, let it happen. It could be a great series. It could go on, or if it's going to be a one and done, uh, it would be a great ride. And you go, Hey, it was a good movie. Kind of like, you know, go back to avatar as a great movie. Do I want to see more? <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure, but you know, Hey, it was fine. <laughs> so it's all entertainment. They all do a lot of great work for us. So I'm just happy. But I, I think our expectations, it's almost like Kenobi, right? Kenobi. I think there was a lot more, there was a lot more tenseness because, there was, we had Kenobi on the line, right? You know, you could see yeah. these series and you're like, well, they could really do something great or they could, you know, make something that didn't, that doesn't kind of show it, you know, given, given also the, the restraints of COVID. But I think with this, it's like, we kind of knew something was there. I love that the fact that it kind of kept burbling under the radar, mm. but when it came out, it just really boom. And um, I'm hoping that future series, you know, some of them will show us the hits. Some of them will give us, you know, the 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 flash and things like that. But I really hope that they take away some of this stuff and go, look, you can you can make this kind of stuff, and it's going to be, you know, people really really like it. And and I I'd be hard pressed to, to I'd be hard pressed to find the shows or the the content creators out there who didn't like this, or they're going to kind of come at it, other than maybe to get clicks, because I don't yeah. see how yeah. you can really <laughs> you can really like not like this it, maybe you don't have to like it on the level that i do but i don't know how you can just say you can't say that's not good writing you can't say it's not good production and you can't say that there weren't the feels for it you can just say maybe yeah. it just didn't it didn't hit me the way it does other people but you can't say it's not good it's not a good piece of of television uh, and, and more here here i have nothing to add to that that was great <laughs> all righty well, I think we're going to have to uh, take this. I know, like I said, we'd like to maybe come back and do like a, ser a series um, wrap, um, and we will put that together after the holiday weekend. But if you have any questions for us uh, and questions and or uh, and or breakfast on the socials, you can find us. Uh, you can find me at Rebel Base Card uh, on Twitter, Instagram, and now Hive, as well as you can find uh, at Ion Cannon as well. You can email the program, greg at rebelbasecard.com. Uh, one last little plug in, in this series uh, for the Wheel of Time podcast and where people can find you. 
yeah uh, thank you so much and and yes i abandoned my twitter account and i still feel really crazy that that i did that but uh i drew i drew my own line and i uh he crossed it so i i'm off and i'm on hive so please come find me on hive it's it's <laughs> enjoyable and it's it, the glitches are reducing they're they're gearing up fast so it's it's turning into something special but um my other podcasting gig, which continues in between uh, breakfast stints, is that I host a podcast called Through the Glass Columns, which you can find on Spotify and Apple and all the, the podcast servers. Um, we're reading through the Wheel of Time book series and uh, just mapped out that book one is going to uh, drop with a double finale episode wow. right at Christmas break. So we're going to drop those and let people enjoy them over the new year and when everybody has some downtime and can do some extra reading. And then we'll be back in the new year with with our season two, although my boss over there is is much more demanding and, and we don't get a week off over there. We just keep recording <laughs> and, and bake them uh, so that we can have a, a little cushion in case emergencies arrive. So uh, thank you. Uh, you know, Greg, uh, it it has not gotten old or been lost on me that it, jo jumping on this with you is a privilege and, you know, uh, having our friendship grow, but having the community around us grow and, and continue the kind of highs of celebration it's it's been a real pleasure and, and really kept me uh awake in my fandom in, in good ways in marva ways i've been awake and fighting those bastards who would <laughs> aim for the clicks so thank you uh for that i i don't take it for granted at all sir oh and every time like i said every time you uh you come on and you agree you're like hey let's do this it's been fun and uh i think I get to enjoy these shows a lot more than I would um, just by being in silence or getting on our thread. And it's like I said, it's fun to go in here and then uh, to get on get on the socials and talk more about it and also talk to our friends. And like I said, when you get to uh, have a beer or two with a friend or in my <laughs> case, I'll be going straight from here uh, to uh, to a, another breakfast with a friend of mine with some bagels uh, as we talk more about it. But, yeah, this has been enjoyable. And uh, I can't wait to uh, do it again. I hope you enjoy the rest of your holiday weekend as well as everybody else as out well. there as we get into the, the busy season for a lot of folks. Uh, but I'll be taking some podcasts with me. Um, and I'm glad, like I said, it's it's cool that you guys get to do the Wheel of Time one. Uh, that's, that's fun. And I hope people check that out. So we're going to sign off for this week and uh, this show just for right now. But hopefully we'll be back soon with some more questions. We help. We hope somebody else answers. But for now, for Greg and I, we're going to return you to your podcast playlist already in progress. The music for this podcast is brought to you under a Creative Commons license from Trent Reznor and Nine Inch Nails. This is Discipline off the album The Slip. This podcast is not affiliated in any way with Topps, Disney, or Star Wars, nor is it endorsed by Disney or Lucasfilm and is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. All names and sounds and any other related items are properties of their respective trademarks and or copyright holders here in the U.S. and abroad. The official Star Wars website can be found at www.starwars.com.